Welcome to Sermons from San Diego, a podcast of preaching at Mission Hills United Church of Christ. I'm the Reverend Dr. David Barr, but please just call me David. I invite you to listen and come along as we try to follow the teachings of Jesus and the wisdom of Scripture to build a world that is open, inclusive, just, and compassionate. And now for this week's sermon. I want to tell a story that's been passed down over the generations among the people of the Palmetto Dunes in South Carolina. Picture a woman stolen from Africa, forced to pick cotton in the oppressive summer heat. Her clothes are drenched from the humid air, and her toddler is clutching her leg as she worked, crying out for attention. She's a woman with such dexterity that she could pick cotton with her right hand and caress the forehead of her little boy with the left. But eventually exhausted, she fell to the ground. He begged her to get up, well aware that if slave drivers saw her taking a nap, his mother would be beaten. As he tried to shake her, an old man rushed over, a man the Africans called preacher and prophet. The slave drivers called him Old Devil. The boy looked up and said, Is it time? The old man nodded his head and smiled. He bent down to the ground and whispered into the woman's ear, Kuliba, Kuliba. At that moment, the woman arose with the dignity of a queen and looked down at her son. She grasped his hand, looked to the heavens, and all of a sudden, they began to fly. The slave drivers rushed over, stunned at this human flight. And while they were distracted by watching this woman and her son fly away, the old preacher prophet ran around to all the other Africans, crying out, Kuliba! Kuliba! And upon hearing the word, they too began to fly. Can you imagine the sight? All the dispossessed flying, all the disempowered flying, all the three-fifths of a person flying? These men, women, and children of Africa taking flight? The slave drivers rushed over to the old man and demanded he bring them back. I can't, he said. They beat him, commanding them to bring him back, but with blood running down his cheek, he just smiled and said, I can't. Why not? Because the word is already in them. And since the word is already in them, it cannot be taken from them. Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord, the God, the creator of the ends of the earth, God does not forget you. God does not grow weary or faint. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will fit faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Could the people actually fly? But haven't you ever flown? I mean, hasn't a simple word or a simple phrase ever lifted you up from the bottom? Perhaps a word like remission. Or phrases like, I forgive you. You got this. 
or it gets better. But there are also words that can cause us to crash to the ground. Words like cancer. Phrases like he was in an accident. You're a failure or you'll never amount to anything. God hates fags. The Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III told this story of the people who could fly and said, The preacher prophet gave them the power of a single word. He reminded them of the power. The word kuliba, he said, means God, a word that can be used to lift others to flight. <clears throat> but we also know that sometimes God is a word used like a weapon. You know, though, don't you? Haven't you heard that a single word spoken with great intention can cause someone to have a breakthrough? Or, spoken carelessly, a single word can cause someone to have a breakdown. I mean, one word has the power to cause healing or hurt. So how about two powerful words, like remain seated? <clears throat> Let me tell you about Septima Clark. Born in 1898, her father had been enslaved in South Carolina, but education lifted her beyond her circumstances. She went to college and was certified to be a teacher, but Charleston wouldn't hire black teachers, so she taught on South Carolina's Johns Island instead. She came back three years later to teach at the Avery Institute. It's one of the 500 schools started by congregational churches following the Civil War to lift African Americans to new heights. Schools that include top flight Howard University. While there, <clears throat> Ms. Clark joined the NAACP and participated in a successful effort to get Charleston to hire black teachers, where she then began to teach. And in 1945, she worked with Thurgood Marshall on a successful case seeking equal pay for black and white teachers, which increased their pay threefold. But in the 1950s, South Carolina made it illegal for public employees to belong to civil rights groups. When she refused to disaffiliate, she lost her job and went to work for the Highlander Folk School in Tennessee. She was hired to lead workshops for people who wanted to change their communities using nonviolence, like she had done. Many who participated in the civil rights movement were prepared at Highlander. How to face violence with a nonviolent response. They trained people like the Freedom Riders and students who desegregated lunch counters. Those who walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma or were slammed to the ground by the power of fire hoses in Birmingham. One woman who attended Ms. Clark's workshops decided she would remain seated the next time she was ordered to move to the back of the bus. Septima Clark inspired and taught Rosa Parks and countless others that they too could fly, in this case by remaining seated. Ms. Clark, sometimes referred to as the mother of the movement, was a devout Christian. She asked a lot of her students preparing to endure the indignity and violence of white supremacists determined to chain black citizens to the ground. She told them, have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord, the everlasting God, the, the creator of the ends of the earth, God does not forget you. 
God does not grow weary or faint, and those who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And sometimes God will be your rock there with you as you stand your ground or remain seated. Miss Clark didn't stop there. <clears throat> she found her calling traveling all over the South, training local people to become citizenship teachers and start citizenship schools, 800 of them. Citizenship schools taught people such skills as how to write their name instead of using an X, balance a checkbook, how to read road signs, and basic literacy. Most significantly, they taught citizens how a democratic system of government is supposed to work and how to vote in elections. It was extremely dangerous work, and many of her friends were killed for teaching citizenship. It's amazing how the power of a single word like vote can both empower the disenfranchised and frighten the powerful. And Amanda Gorman describes so beautifully what can happen. We, the successors of a country in a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother, can dream of becoming president, only to find herself reciting for one. Have you not heard? Have you not known? God has not forgotten you and gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. And those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the time of the prophet Isaiah, destruction and exile had generated such despair and chaos in the country, in the people, that they doubted God. But Isaiah reminded them to compare the power of the God of creation with the power of their oppressors. He told them their oppressors are <clears throat> simply grasshoppers who are blown away by a strong wind. Can we really compare the creator of the universe with those trying to harm us? Isaiah said, scarcely are they planted. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when God blows upon them and they wither away and the, the tempest carries them off like stubble. Ah, but those who wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. And so, by the way, the story of the people who could fly was a true story. I mean, true because... Their oppressors were of no significance. They were tiny, frightened little men, like grasshoppers. But compare that to the God of creation. And it's a true story, just like those who feared the power of women, like Septima Clark, were scared of things like equality and voting and democracy. But surely you know that our heritage in the United Church of Christ our legacy is like Amanda Gorman's vision. <clears throat> yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that's perfect. We're striving to forge a union with purpose, 
to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. To conclude her brilliant poem, The Hill We Climb, we will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the west. We will rise from the wind-swept northeast, where our forefathers first realized revolution. Rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. And every known nook of our nation and every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge, battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. But why wouldn't we be? Haven't you heard 